Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 23, exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. It's P U C K H C K Y.com. Use the discount code The Rink to get 10% off all of your rink gear, your exclusive rink gear that everyone has been rushing out to get. Uh, today is Wednesday, May 30th, 2018. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? And I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy who ruins everything, <laughs> Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. My allergies is going crazy over here. <laughs> Super loop. Uh, yeah. So yeah, anyway. Good. Yeah. Good. Summertime allergies. Yeah, same here. That's all Seriously, I got. The- Seriously, these potato heads have to be the unsexiest mob of all time. And that and that fits for your comment with the allergies. Indeed. Yeah. So, and together we are your most trusted sources. It's your favorite online hockey hangout, the-rink.com. So, intros aside, hello, sir. We are back. Allergies, air conditioning, rainstorms, uh, all that good stuff for the summer. Heat stroke. <laughs> yeah, heat stroke. Old for the- guy, heat stroke. Yeah, probably the hottest Memorial Day weekend I can remember. We got all that tough guy. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, we do. Plus, we have some good hockey with the final going on, the the uh, yes. Stanley Cup final. I, I'm enjoy- I enjoyed game one. Game two is going to be going on a little later tonight, so uh, just yeah. probably as we're wrapping this up, it'll, it'll start. Michael Kempney playing for the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I had some guy from, uh, who, was, who was like a stat guy or something from, I don't know, one of the Chicago channels or something come after me after I said something about the, the Kempney thing. And I go, oh, well, yeah, you, you know, he, he just took a shot that was going to go eight feet wide. that got redirected. I'm like, yeah, but he's still playing the Stanley cup final in their top four. So yeah. Yeah. You know, hard to argue with that. Yeah. And, uh, I, I actually, uh, was listening to, cause there's not a whole lot to listen to at this point in the year, but, uh, I was listening to a Hawk Talk podcast, and they had Scotty Powers on, and you know we love Scotty Powers, and Charlie Romiliotis too was on yes. there. So uh, yeah, it was a good, you know, it was a good uh, forty-minute podcast that they put on, and they were talking about it and how uh, Michael, I guess someone interviewed Michael Kempney, and Kempney actually said like, it's so nice to be able to play, and if you make a mistake, you're not looking over your shoulder, and uh, it, this is pretty much what we all assumed was that you know. Yeah he made one mistake and then he'd be benched for three or four, you know, be benched for the rest of the game. And then three or four games, he would be a healthy scratch. And now Barry Trotch is just putting him out there and letting him play through his mistakes. And it seems to be, you know, bringing him a lot of success. Who knew, huh? Yeah. You know, it's funny because Brian Campbell basically said the same thing after he went to Florida. Now he did come back um, and play for Q again. I mean, I, I think with Q that's, that's the downside. You, you, you have those, really harsh experiences that he puts certain players through where they can't play for him. I mean, you know, Trevor Daly is not the greatest player who ever played, but he had a decent track record as a player in the NHL before he came to Chicago. Suddenly he can't, he can't play for Q and he goes to Pittsburgh and the Hawks get Rob Scuderi as a consolation prize. Yeah. And, and and they get to uh, retain part of the salary that the next year. Right. On top of it. So that little cherry on top of the Sunday. They paid extra for the honor of having Rob Scuderi in the Indian head. Oy. Yeah. So, well, we, I mean, we have the we have the finals. Uh, the Ice Hogs ended their season uh, 
we've got a great last, uh, at least a last season wrap up war pegs report from Mario. That'll be coming up shortly. Yes. Uh, a really good one. He went out there today and, uh, he, he got some sound clips, uh, from Jeremy Colleton and, uh, he's going to be doing, he, he, you'll, you'll hear it in his piece, but, uh, he's got a lot planned as far as wrapping up what happened with the ice hogs this year. And, uh, I just want to, before we even get to that, I just want to thank Mario for all the hard work he's put in because he has been by far the, uh, the top ice hogs beat guy and, uh, just, you know, working his butt off for the rink. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things have happened here on the rink.com over our first six months, which by the way, we'll be marking six months, uh, this Friday or Saturday. Yeah, Friday's the first. So we, we opened on the first, right? Yeah. Yeah, the first so, of November. I mean, we've yeah. had a lot of good things happen, but I, I would, I would venture to say that uh, the Rockford coverage um, put together by Mario has been kind of the, the jewel in the crown of our of our inaugural season, inaugural year, and at this point, we're pretty much riding Mario's coattails. So, <laughs> thank you, Mario. Yes. Uh, thanks for but, thanks oh, for taking us along on the ride, Mario. Yeah. yeah. But seriously, uh, yeah, that's been that's been huge, and and yes, I mean. Because when we started out to do this thing, Jeff, I mean, last year, I mean, we talked about, you know, being the, you know, the really deep focused hockey website that goes, you know, deep on the the lower levels of hockey as well. And, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is adding a writer, hopefully this year, who covers junior hockey for us exclusively. Yeah. Um, And uh, we've explored Europe. We've got a we've got certainly got a European correspondent in Sweden, but he hasn't written anything for us yet. Um, and, uh, you know, NCAAs with Aaron Goldschmidt and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of our vision for this thing is that, you know, a lot of other, there are a lot of other sites out there that go broad, like for example, the athletic, but, uh, you know, our thing is going to be hockey and going really, really deep on hockey. Um, hence the, hence the name of the rink.com. And I think that, uh, certainly with Mario, we've, we've done that in Rockford, but, uh, that's only the beginning. Yeah. And, and, you know, Evan's been doing a pretty good job with Indy. I mean, he came on yes, late. He has. Yeah, he's, he came on late, but he got the breaking story about uh, Robin Press not coming back. And, uh, you know, yeah. so, I mean, Evan's been doing a good job, and I, yeah. I don't want to leave him out at all. I mean, he's a fresh face to people. He's a real fresh face. But, yeah, he's a fresh face to people. And uh, But he's, 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 he's real adamant about, uh, you know, that team. He's a, he's a fan of the team. Yeah. He's, got, uh, he's got some, you know, inside insight with the team he knows you know what's going on down there so it's really nice to have that 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 uh that extra added piece with indy because that's important with the development of this franchise so yes and he did a nice season end uh wrap-up piece um for for indy and yeah so we're looking forward to uh you know a full season of coverage down at indy with with evan and uh we've got a a two-pronged attack on prospects this spring, we've got uh, Eric Andrews doing daily prospect profiles leading up to the draft. Um, and then we've got uh, Bill Wiz Playsack, our guy Wiz, uh, who will be chiming in more and more as we get closer to the draft. And, you know, many of you who are listening know, know Wiz or know of him. And uh, this is a guy who's uh, really accurately handicapped a lot of the drafts for several years and a lot of the prospects. Um, 
So uh, yeah, so that that's going to happen too. And you know, Wiz has some strong uh, strong opinions. Yeah, and you can look forward to those as well. Well, and and that's what we're gonna we're gonna try probably right before the draft to probably have Wiz on if we can. Yeah, and we will. Uh, talk to him about that if he if he if we can work it out if we can work yeah, out the logistics. I think we can. He's 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 up for it. It's just it's pinning him down. Yeah, that's yeah, the challenge. It's a busy time of year for him. It's like you know, tax time for accountants. So yeah, he'll come on. He'll yeah. come on. We'll so, have him. So, um, I mean, like you know, like I said, uh, the Rock, the Rockford Ice Hogs, their season ended Monday night. Uh, not this Monday night, whenever it was. Yeah, it was Monday night. It was this Monday night uh, in Texas. They lost two one in overtime. Uh, they were down one nothing. Christy Domenico um, tied the game late, sent the game into overtime. Then, with eight seconds left in the first overtime, uh, Texas uh, won the game. And then, which then sent them to the uh, Calder Cup Finals against uh, the Toronto Marlies. So, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be uh, that, that's gonna be a good series because you got you yep. got two kind of uh, top flight goalies playing against each other. You got Garrett Sparks, who's from Chicago, yep. Elm, Elmhurst native, playing with the Marlies. Then you got Mike McKenna, who's a uh, he's a, a veteran of you know many different teams, but. You know, he's like, he's probably like a better version of Jeff Glass <laughs> as far as like, he's, he's a better goalie. A thing? He's been around. He's got that leadership. Uh, yeah. He, he's that, he's about you know, Glass's age too, right? What's that? He's about Glass's age too. Yeah. Right? He's roughly, yeah. He's like in his early thirties and I, you know, Hey, he's left-handed and, uh, Hey, the plus. Yeah. And he's a big battlehead, huge metalhead. So, uh, it's also a plus, you know what? Maybe, maybe if I ask him very nicely, I could have him come on sometime. And uh, oh, I think that would be awesome. And he probably doesn't like Pearl jam. <laughs> no, he probably does not. Uh, yeah, I think his, his musical taste, I think is harder than mine. So, which wow. Is, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, that's, that's what's going on in the AHL. Uh, they did their, uh, their exit interviews. We got a lot of, uh, there's a lot of clips online for that that we were retweeting from the the rink official at the rink official uh, account. Uh, we're kind of working hand in hand with the the Ice Hogs team and some of the uh, the local uh, reporters and stuff to get some of those clips out there. I got a clip from Mario about uh, it was an interview with uh, Jeremy Carlton. I just didn't have time to chop it up. Uh, it's uh, but I'm gonna listen to it and see what happens. If uh, if we get if we get enough and you know and uh, Mario doesn't use it all, maybe I'll kind of chop it up into kind of a a half podcast. Just if people want to listen to it on their own time, they can. Um, you know, we'll we'll see how that goes. So. Okay, right now, right now, off the top of your head, tell me, how many years is it before Jeremy Calton's a head coach in the NHL? Uh, that was a question they asked on that Hawks podcast, and I gotta say, um, you know. I, I think they're going to fast track him when whenever Q's good, whenever Q's done. I don't think they're going to put him in as, as an assistant. I agree. Um, I mean, if they do put him in as assistant, which they could, you know, before Q leaves, but he will. Be, I think he's moved up the depth chart enough that, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of positive feedback coming out of Rockford, which yeah. is the complete opposite of last year. Well, you know, it's interesting. Our our own coach Bob Rose, lest we forget Bob. And we shouldn't do that. We don't forget Bob. We'll never forget our own, Bob. Our own coach Bob Rose was was talking about how, um, you know, the things that, that Rockford was doing in the playoffs are uh, the types of things that produce success. Um, some of their power play schemes um, were things that the, the Pittsburgh Pen- Penguins, for example, have used 
uh, to great success in the playoffs. And, um, you know, you, you really get a sense that Carlton is a real thinker um, and, and relates really well to players because, you know, there, I've heard, you know, I've heard the argument that the reason that Rockford did so well this year in the playoffs is because they have a lot more talent versus last year. And while I think that's true to a degree, I don't look up and down that roster and see a lot of guys who are future Hall of Famers. Um, they're certainly better than they were last year. They're younger. But I think um, I think Colton's done a really outstanding job just getting, you know, optimum production out of that roster. And, he, you know, he's, he's one of those guys who comes in and gets the most out of his uh, individual players and the, the team as a whole. And, you know, if somebody had asked me last year, and I think we talked about this, you know, is Colton the next coach of the Hawks? I think we were kind of all saying, no, that seems kind of far-fetched. I don't think so anymore. No, he's you know, earned his keep, I, I think. I think he's definitely earned it. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's definitely a possibility that when, when Q hangs him up, which may not be long. Yeah. Um, he's aged about 20 years in the last three. Um, you know, I, I think I think you may see Colton installed as the next head coach of the Hawks. Yeah, I think that's what the intention is now. I think I think they brought him in. Kind of, they kind of threw a hail mary on him. They were like, "Oh, you know, there's, this guy comes well regarded. He's had a lot of success over in Europe." Thirty-two years old. Yeah, let's give it a shot. And they gave it a shot, and the sh- and, and the hail mary worked so, so far. Um, yeah, he's been very successful. He's very well spoken. He, he's uh, everyone seems to really like playing for him, which is the complete opposite with Ted Dent last year. Like they left last year and. And in the last two years, actually, I, <coughs> excuse me, I had heard that, you know, Ted Dent had basically been roasted by the players in the exit interviews for yeah. two years in a row. Yeah. And this year we're getting, you know, a complete role reversal where it's like, you know, he, everyone's, they love playing for him. They had so much fun. I mean, just as a one example of a player who you would think would have, you know, would have probably not had the greatest things to say because he was put in, in an awkward position, which is Adam Clendenning who left, wow. he left the organization under, you know, not the greatest of terms. They kind of just threw him away. Uh, and he moved, bounced around the NHL. He ended up with Arizona and then he got traded back here, which he couldn't have been happy about in the first place while he's familiar with it. You know, he, he, had, he probably had a bad taste in his mouth about the Chicago organization. So coming back here, he was probably a little bit skeptical. Now, all the interviews that I've heard from Adam Clendenning has now, you know, with what is it? He's been here since what, February or whatever. It's uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll just say four months or three months in these three months that he's played for the team. He's completely turned around and said, this is the most fun I've had with any group of guys. And he really, you know, it, there's, an outside chance, and Mario will speak to this. There's could be an outside chance that they offer him, you know, a deal to stick around and be kind of a tweener between, you know, as an injury guy, possibly depth guy, maybe just stick around in Rockford or whatever. So, you know, yeah, <clears throat> that's all good stuff. So, absolutely, yeah. Well, so all that being said, uh, let's get in and let's let Mario do his thing. So, uh, Right into Mario Tarabasi and his War Pigs report. Hey guys, thanks for having me on again, uh, bringing you the final 
uh, war pigs, uh, Rockford ice hogs, uh, report of the 2017-2018 uh, season as the Rockford ice hogs uh, campaign this year comes to a close in game six of the Western Conference Finals in the Calder Cup playoffs, uh, falling two to one in overtime to the Texas Stars. Um, a tough way to end a great season uh, for the Ice Hogs. Eight seconds left in overtime, Texas was able to find uh, the game winner and advance to the Calder Cup final, but there's a lot to love uh, about this Rockford Ice Hogs season. Uh, a lot to love about the roster makeup of this team and a lot to love about the future of the uh, Blackhawks organization. There's a lot of good, uh, good things going on uh, right now with the minor league system in Rockford. Um, first year head coach Jeremy Colleton, he comes in and uh, really gets a, a young locker room to, uh, to buy in, to have a, a team first mentality and, and really change the culture uh, of, the, of the Ice Hogs organization from last year to this year, obviously with uh, the coaching change from, from Ted Dent to Jeremy Colleton and um, the roster turnover that the, the Ice Hogs experienced. Um, coming into this year was going to be a, it was going to be a, a, a tough transition and um, this this Rockford team which had somewhere between 12 and might have been even up to 14 or 15 uh, first year pro players make their their pro debuts this year uh, the, the, the team played played tremendous from from start to finish they got off to a hot start and you know it, it might seem like forever ago but October and November, uh, Vincent Estroza was the was the the catalyst of of the Ice Hogs team that uh, was driving the offense and um, you know transitioning into uh, into December and January there were some some goaltender uh, issues with 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 Chicago with Corey Crawford being injured and uh, JF Barube would uh, would move from Rockford to to Chicago uh, back and forth Jeff Glass would do the same. And, uh, you know, the Hinnestroza would move up. Team would take a little bit of a slip, but then you know, Matthew Highmore in his first year as, as a pro would, would step up and start going on a scoring streak. Anthony Lewis uh, doing the same this year in, in, in her, his first year uh, as a pro uh, stepped up uh, on the offensive side of things. And um, in goal, Colin Delia started to uh, emerge in January as uh, one of the uh, the options in net that Rockford could could start to rely on, and you know his development all year was been uh, was was a special story to follow from you know starting off with Indy and and, and not having the uh, the start he, anyone probably would have would have expected or, or, or wanted to see from him. He really you know battled back and was able to to right the ship and have a, a tremendous year for him. Uh, with the Ice Hogs, he, he led them down the stretch into the playoffs uh, and, and through the playoffs to the to the Western Conference Finals. Um, where you know he hit a he hit a rough rough patch there against Texas. Um, to his to his credit, was playing a lot of hockey down the stretch, a lot of meaningful games, a lot of high high pressure, intense situational games. And, um, you know, against Texas might have just caught up with them. 
um, enter Jeff Glass, and, and he he performed admirably in the in the three games that he played, um, getting Rock, helping Rockford to to get back into the series. They were down 3-0, get back to 3-2, but end up uh, falling to the Stars in in, in six games. Um, you know, a, a tremendous year, a lot of storylines to follow. Um, Matthew, like I said, Matthew Highmore, Anthony Lewis, uh, these these guys were were in a rookie class that really stepped up and and, and had a, a lot of uh, a lot of good things to show in their uh, in their first year as uh, as pros. Delia, part of that as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of players that jumped back and forth between Rockford and Chicago this year. David Kampf comes to mind. Highmore uh, was able to get some time in, in, in Chicago. Carl Dahlstrom as well, um, going back and forth. John Hayden, uh, another player that was back and forth between Chicago and Rockford this season. Um, you know, a, a lot of these guys are going to be uh, finding themselves in some in some position battles uh, this offseason and, and in the summer and you know, trying to uh, trying to to get themselves a, a spot with the Chicago Blackhawks, where uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of roster spots uh, available in the lineup as as you look at it right now. So, you know, uh, this summer will be interesting to see, you know, who from this Ice Hogs group of players comes through and and you know really gives uh, gives Chicago a, a good look and. You know, maybe even even earns themselves a, a spot in the lineup with the Blackhawks uh, next season. On the other side of things, um, the Rockford Ice Hogs this year started young, but down the down the stretch of the season, uh, started to bring in some veterans. Uh, they had Andreas Martinson join the team uh, early in the fall, um, so he was there from from the start. But guys like Cody Franz and uh, Lance Boma, they come down from the Blackhawks to the Ice Hogs. Obviously not situations that they um, would have expected to to be in at the start of the year. Uh, Cody Franzen especially was um, uh, was voiced his, his displeasure with um, the move that Chicago made. Obviously the season didn't go the way that he thought it would when he signed his deal uh, with Chicago. But uh, he, to his credit, made the, the most of his time in Rockford. He handled himself like a, like, like a pro. Um, didn't seem to let his personal uh, disappointment with Chicago's decision affect his attitude within the locker room, um, around the young players, and uh, or on the ice. He was uh, one of the catalysts of the, la- of the latter half of the season, driving Rockford through the uh, playoff push and, and through the playoffs uh, as well. Another guy that, that joined the team late, Chris Domenico. he was acquired uh, from Ottawa in the Villipoca trade late in the season. Uh, same with him. Uh, obviously not the, the situation he probably wanted to be in, was able to get some NHL games with Ottawa this year. Comes to Rockford and plays at an over a point per game pace uh, through the back 25 uh, 23, 25 games of the regular season and into the playoffs. Um, he was a, a driver of the offense, a driver of the power play unit that was uh, scoring at a record pace for the Ice Hogs. And um, D. Domenico, through the through the playoffs, through through 13 games, scored 18 points, setting the Ice Hogs franchise playoff point record uh, for the Calder Cup playoffs since the team's been uh, in the AHL. So, 
Um, a tremendous back back half of the season for him with Rockford. Um, and another third piece of the puzzle uh, between D. Domenico and Franzen was Adam Clandenning. Uh, familiar with the Blackhawks organization, he returned uh, in a trade with the Arizona Coyotes, ended up sending uh, Laurent Dauphin and Richard Panic to Arizona, Anthony DeClaire, and Adam Clendenning came back uh, to Chicago in that deal. Clendenning finished the year in Rockford. He was, as a defenseman, driving the offense from, from the blue line. He was a part of that same power play unit. It seemed throughout the entire playoffs that on a power play, the Ice Hogs would have Di Domenico, Franzen, and Clendenning. Either all three of them were involved in a, in a goal or, you know, two of the three or, you know, they, they all were, were part of that unit that was, was pushing Rockford through the playoffs through the latter half of the regular season and, and really got them to this point. Those three guys are, are on expiring contracts. It'll be uh, interesting to see what happens with them. Obviously, Franzen, um, I, I wouldn't expect, would come back. He seemed, uh, he seemed like his time with the Blackhawks organization uh, has come and gone. Christy Domenico, there were some rumors uh, about him potentially returning uh, to Europe to, con- to uh, continue his career. He had played there for a few years before um, signing his deal with, uh, with Ottawa. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if he does end up going back to Europe or if another another team, maybe even the Blackhawks, decide to, to maybe give him a, a contract, keep him in North America and, and see what he can uh, what he can do in the NHL or, or AHL. And Adam Clendenning is a, a restricted free agent. Um, so he's you know he's not uh, he's not gonna be able to just freely leave uh, in free agency. There's you know there's the opportunity for Chicago to uh, uh, to offer him a deal and you know his first stint with the organization didn't go uh, probably how, how either side would have expected it to, but it sounded like Clendenning um, made the, again made the most of his time with Rockford. It seemed like he really enjoyed the team chemistry and maybe rejuvenated his uh, his interest with the Blackhawks organization. I think if I was Chicago, um, wouldn't it be the worst thing to maybe give him an offer and see see if you can come to an agreement? Um, if nothing changes drastically in the defensive core of the Blackhawks uh, heading into next season, Clendenning could be someone that you give a shot to. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to put it in these terms, but it really can't be any worse than the team currently looks as far as their AHL, or I'm sorry, their NHL level uh, of talent in the, in the defensive core uh, goes for next season. Um, obviously, offseason moves can, can, can change that, but out of those three veterans that, that came into the Ice Hogs and really made a, a push and were, uh, were key figures down the stretch, I think Clendenny would make the most sense to, to try and, and, and bring back. Um, you know, even if even if just on a one-year deal, you know, see what see what what he might be able to bring. Um, you know, other than that, I, I spoke with Jeremy Colleton today at uh, Rockford's exit interview session. Um, he had, uh, you know, obviously there was still time to be had to process the the end of the year. Um, you know, evaluating not only his own. Uh, development and, and, and progress in his first year coaching in North America, but the teams as well. Um, you know, it, it seemed like he spoke very highly of of 
the, of his own players, as you could imagine. But um, you know, he said that there's a lot to a lot to believe in um, in in Rockford's group. Um, a lot to like about the young talent in the organization, and you know, I I, I definitely would have to uh, would have to agree. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll we'll take some time off here. Obviously, um, going into the playoffs for the Ice Hawks, uh, a lot of players were getting some very valuable experience. Um, you know, last year, this time last year, you know, players were as it starts to rain here as I'm driving back uh, as I'm driving back from Rockford. Um, you know, a lot of players last year at this time were maybe getting back into their off-season training regimen, getting back on the ice and getting ready for next season, whereas this year a lot of young guys um, and, you know, the whole the whole squad uh, in Rockford itself was getting some very valuable playoff experience. I think, you know, it's, it's never bad to play in the playoffs, so, um, you know, take some time off for the guys and, uh, you know, get back to it. Prospect camp is just about uh, a month or so away, uh, so it'll be interesting to see uh, who will be uh, who will be there in the mix? Um, who will be you know taking some taking some time to to, to continue auditioning for uh, for an NHL spot? Um, so keep an eye on therink.com. I'll be doing uh, uh, player evaluations. Um, we'll have some uh, some other audio provided to us from uh, from the Rockford Ice Hawks organization for uh, for exit interviews and uh, full season wrap up in the next couple of days. And uh, player evaluations that'll go on throughout the summer because there's a uh, there's a lot that go that'll go into that. So uh, I'll be uh, I'll be bringing that to you guys on uh, on the rink.com. Uh, hopefully we'll get some uh, some off season summer summer uh, rink casts going. And um, this was uh, on a, on a personal note, this was a very uh, very fun year for me. Um, being with the rink uh, has been a great experience. This season has been. Uh, probably one of the most eventful and most fun seasons I think I've ever covered, uh, you know, writing about hockey. So uh, I want to say a, a big thank you to, uh, to to you guys, John and Jeff, and um, the entire staff at the rink. I think uh, I think I, I, it goes without saying that this, is, uh, this has been a lot of fun and um, can't wait to uh, can't wait to continue on to everyone who uh, you know read read the articles, followed the Ice Hogs uh, throughout the year. Um, some of you have reached out. I, I can't thank everyone enough um, for for all the support, and uh, you know hopefully we can uh, we can build on that and and continue on in the, into the into the off season and into next year and uh, keep all you rink rats entertained. So until next time, this is uh, this has been Mario Terabasi for therink.com with your uh, final uh, War Pigs report of the 2017-2018 season. We will uh, see you over the summer. Thank you, Mario. Um, and I do want to say, you know, Mario, he had that shout out to John and I for, uh, you know, all the stuff we're doing here at the rink. Uh, and we, we, we said it even earlier that, you know, thank you to Mario because he's worked his butt off for us. And, yes, um, he has. You know, it's it's nice when you can just trust that someone's going to do their job and you don't have to, well, you know, you don't have to sweep up behind them. We just know what Mario's going to do and he is, you know, and, and he does it. That's that's a great feeling. So he's a Marine. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, he, he, he went in pretty depth into, in, into the, you know, how the season ended and some of the players and, and stuff. Uh, what he didn't talk about, which is kind of something that was brought up yesterday and caused a little bit of uh, internet, uh, internet speak, should I say, uh, between internet Texas fans. Are. Yeah, Chris D. Domenico going uh, ape shit on uh, on the glass and beating up the glass in Texas just seconds after the uh, Ice Hogs lost in overtime. I think, I think ape shit is a really good way of describing that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Shit. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some. Uh, I've seen some tantrums. Bug shit. Yeah, I've seen some tantrums, but that was one of them. But you know what? When you first look at it, you get one single point of view from a Texas fan. And you get, you know, he just freaked out because they lost. But then you start hearing other stories and, and you, start, you start hearing that, you know, maybe the players were getting, you know, harassed a little more than just, you know, your common ribbing and uh, threatened and things like that. And, and, well, and you start putting things together a little bit that maybe it was a little bit more than just they lost the game. So well, after we were taken to task by some dude from Texas with 65 followers, um, for our coverage of the event, um, <laughs> you know, I, I had to point out that, you know, if you, if you look at the footage dispassionately and with just, you know, just for what it was and, and how the player reacted and what, how his reaction was so focused on one particular spot in the stands, um, the idea that he just picked out this 12-year-old girl to, to go mental on her, is just preposterous. Yeah. I mean, players don't do that. Players don't take out their anger over losing a game on one fan in the stands for no reason at all. And it just happens to be a 12 year old girl. That is the most ridiculous theory I've ever heard. Yeah. I mean, clearly something was being said to him. Now we, and we heard um, some, some things from some friends of ours who are Rockford season ticket holders and uh, knew some people who, who went to the game itself and sat near there who, that, you know, these people were being quite abusive of Rockford players and Di Domenico in particular doesn't justify what he did. No, he, he lost it. He overreacted. Um, the other thing about how the girl was so traumatized, we, there's a photograph that was uh, posted up on Twitter that catches, that catches the angle from behind Di Domenico looking into the stands and there's the girl with her phone taking a picture with a big grin on her face. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just, the whole thing seems like it was completely blown out of proportion from the standpoint of, you know, blaming Dita Menigo for, for traumatizing a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the poor me victim syndrome that you're getting nowadays, so whatever. Um, but, yeah, like I said, and then, and, and, you know, there's, there's other people where I saw where it's like, oh, he's, he's got to be a professional. And I'm like, yeah, he does yeah. have to be a professional. I get that. I understand that. And he definitely overreacted. But that yeah. and, and, and the same person said, well, you know, those are paying fans. Well, just because you're a paying yeah. fan doesn't mean you can go in and do whatever you want. So, Gate, let's follow Uncle JJ down the the halls of hockey history for a moment. 2005, I went to a game out in Vancouver. I was out there on business and it was the infamous game where um Todd Bertuzzi jumped Steve Moore of the Avalanche and seriously damaged his neck and ended his career. <laughs> and um, the thing that's interesting, that, that game is remembered for that. But actually, during that game, Colorado players went into the stands and got into it with, with Vancouver fans. 
And the truth of the matter is, if you sit there, um, you know, on the other side of the glass, especially behind a bench or a penalty box, and you torment a player like a gorilla at the zoo, you know, you do so at your own peril. Because the bottom line is, is these are big men and strong men um, who are well padded, and you never know what can happen. Um, especially if you want to be a tough guy from behind the glass. Well, especially right? when, yeah, and and you're talking about a guy who just, you know, blood, sweat, and tears went through, you know, a very emotional series, yeah. lost it over time, and you know, in, in a very dramatic fashion. And uh, you know what? I I I I can't, uh, you know, excuse him, you know, doing that. But I can understand where where it could have come to that. So, yeah, you know, I, I you know, I, I and, and this is not a a, a one for one comparison, but I said, tell Devonte Smith Pelly to be a professional. Yeah, he was upset about something that was said to him. Now, when you break it down, it's words. It's words. Something was said to him. What was said to Christy Domenico, we don't know. What well, you know, we we kind of know what we heard was said to Devontae Smith Pelly, but only they were only words, you know? And he was upset. And I think he was justified to be upset. I think De- Devontae Smith Pelly was definitely justified to be upset because it was a you know, it was it was racist and it was terrible and it was way over the line. Um so to you know, like I said, it's not a one for one comparison because uh, you know, it, it it's just not that it does it doesn't hold that weight. But if you're going to harass a guy and you're going to threaten to meet him outside, or you're going to do, you know, like you're still getting into some muddy water. Yeah. And you if you threaten, you're threatening to meet some guy in the bus. Maybe you better step up when the guy starts to come at you, because right. other otherwise you're just you know a yapping head in the stands, and you're and you're basically. Uh, a, a chicken. I, you know, never have I seen, I think I've seen probably uh, five or six instances where players have gone into the stands and never have I seen the guy who was taunting the player behind the glass, you know, beat the player's butt. It's always the other way around. The guy who was taunting the player suddenly becomes quite timid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, comes over the glass. Yeah, I mean Barry, or I mean, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, beat someone with a shoe. Uh, Mike Milbury beat someone with a shoe in the crowd, like with his own shoe. <laughs> he took the guy's shoe up and beat it, beat him with it. So I mean, yeah. you know, that stuff. Listen, there are two sides to every story, and if you want to play victim, when when the truth actually comes out, you may look kind of stupid in the end. Because oh, it's, yeah. it's not exactly how you paint it from your, you know, your crystal palace. Right. So anyway, I didn't want to get too sidetracked on that, but I did want to bring it up because, uh, you know, there, there are two sides to the story. So, <clears throat> but anyway, um, ice hogs aside, uh, there were a little bit of Blackhawks news. Uh, uh, the Blackhawks finally made the announcement that, uh, they had signed, uh, Czech born but German forward Dominic Cahoon. Cahoon? 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 I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know how I'm it is. Gonna try. Um we'll wait for Pat Foley to figure it out. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So um he's he played for the German national team in the Olympics and he also played in the uh, world championships that that just ended recently. Um uh, 
the IIHF World Championships. He actually played, from what I read just recently, he played with Leon Dreisaitl. So, yeah, and he had a really good uh, year. And then once he came back from the Olympics, the, his team, which is called uh, Red Bull, um, after course. the yeah after the drink, and uh, they won the championship in the German league. And then you know he went to the IIHF champion. So he's you know we don't know what we're gonna get out of this guy. Uh, he could very well likely be like you know the next tweener, David Kampf, like you know Rockford guy. We don't know. No one knows. We don't know. Yeah. So you know we're not gonna know until prospect camp comes around if he's there, and uh, then we may be able well, to get I'll tell you what we do know. What? Uh, Victor Edsel. Um, had quite the star turn in the AHL playoffs. Yeah. And uh, definitely, uh, you know, showed some things that he didn't show, you know, when he was in the NHL briefly this year. Um, but maybe there's something there for next year that, you know, here, the other side of it is you can't assume just because a guy, you know, pots a lot of goals in the a- a- AHL that he's going to do that in the NHL. It doesn't work that way typically. But um, definitely some encouraging signs from Victor Edsel. And, and that's a guy that the Hawks – really could use to come through next year. Yeah. Because of his size, because he's he's he can potentially play center in the NHL potentially. Yeah. That that remains to be seen too, but uh yeah, that that was some good news. Yeah, that that was very good because then then uh you know the 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 backstory on that is that you know if if this trade of Ryan Hartman turns into Victor Edsel plus you know whatever comes from that late first round pick uh, you know, that trade starts looking a lot better. Yeah. And I, I was not against it. No, go ahead. That's a pick that I've heard the Hawks are willing to trade. Yeah. But yeah. if they trade that turn could turn into another player or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's an asset. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it, Hey, if Victor Edsel turns into any, you know, anything close to what, you know, Ryan Hartman provided, you know, as far as, you know, the, uh, production, yeah, penalties. Bad penalties. <laughs> he's definitely got a lot more size. The guy's like 6'5", so he's a big uh, boy. Um, if he turns into anything with any kind of production where he can get, you know, 20 goals or something like that in the NHL, then this is going to be a win perfect, for the Blackhawks. You know? And uh, if he can hold down, you know, one of the center spots and, and you know, do the job of a center, yeah, um, that would be huge. Yeah. I, I, I don't know where I, where I fall on that just yet because he, he in, in Rockford, he did play both wing and center. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know where that's going to be. I really would love to see him. And I mentioned this in the, from the get go. I'd really like to see him, you know, replace Artem Anisimov eventually. He's got the size. He's got better wheels. He's younger. He's cheaper. But he's, he's, he's similar in size. Probably not worse on faceoffs at yeah. this point. Well, yeah. I mean, you could. Pr- he could probably. What is he? Left-handed. He could probably play right-handed and uh, win more faceoffs than. I think he uh, is a lefty. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing, I guess the thing is with him, you know, one of the things about Anisimov that we kind of take for granted or is not a, not appreciated is his willingness to, you know, go and be a just a big pain in front of the goalie. Um, and I don't know if Edsel's that kind of guy. I mean, Edsel seems like, a, you know, a guy who likes to, to get up and down the ice and, and uh, you know, get that shot off from in the slot. I, I don't know if he's if he's that guy like Anisimov who's going to go and just be a, a total pain around the net. Um, you know, Eric Daze was a big guy who really was much better, you know, skating up and down his wing and getting his shot off. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, 
he's got the size, but is is he that style of player, that profile of player? I also have a thought about Anisimov too, um, that I want to get to, and I want to I want to talk a little bit about a potential potentially big free agent signing that the Hawks might be able to pull off this summer. I haven't heard specifically that they are or they will, but there's some backstory that makes you kind of wonder, you know, would the Hawks have a chance on this player if he hit the market? So we can talk about that at some point too. Okay, cool. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll finish up these signings that happened and then we'll go into that and then we'll yeah. go into questions and we'll let everyone get on with their, uh, their day or night. So, yes. Uh, so Dominic Cahoon, we talked about him. Uh, defenseman Darren Radish, who was on an AHL deal. The Blackhawks signed him last year. His brother is a uh, prospect in the Lightning organization. Yep. Uh, he actually played on the – Darren actually played it with Alex DeBrinkett last year yep. with Erie, right? Yeah. Yep. So, I think he was also a uh, OHL defenseman of the year that year too. Yeah, he I was. Think. He was an yeah. overager though. Yep. Right. So, Yeah. But he was an overager. But, yeah, I mean, you know, they brought him in. They wanted to give him a shot. And yep. he played very well this year, actually. Yep. So they, they rewarded him with an NHL entry-level deal, uh, which, will you know, that's fine. Uh, nothing wrong with that. He earned a spot. Uh, Lucas Carlson, who comes over from the SHL. Um, our boy Martin from over in Sweden is a big Lucas Carlson guy. Yeah, Martin's been talking him up. Um to me for several months um, that he's got a really solid two-way game um, defense first um, like so many Swedish defensemen um, pretty good size it sounded like um, I'm not going to claim to be the Lucas Carlson expert at this point no me but, either uh, yeah that's he there's that's there's encouraging you know stuff about him yeah and uh, just just uh, just to give a little bit of context here uh, Lucas Carlson played in the SHL against Victor Eitzel. So they played in the same league, same level, same pro level over there. So um, that's kind of where, you know, Carlson's at as far as the defenseman goes. He's played against Eitzel. And, uh, so just to give people some sort of an idea what he's been doing while he's, while he's over context, here. Context, if you will. Yes, context. And the surprise signing, which uh, I didn't see coming, was uh, goalie a Finnish goalie Kevin Lankinen? Uh, I didn't know much about the guy. <laughs> you know, I had to do some research on him. It turns out uh, he's had some very successful seasons over in the in the uh, the Finnish Elite League. SM Liga. Yeah, um, he's had a couple. You know, he's gotten better every year. And this past year, I guess he started out the season. He was injured, missed about half their season. Uh, with an injury, but then when he was inserted into the lineup, uh, he was lights out. Uh, he was voted like best goalie. He was just, you know, on fire, you know, uh, very good stats. He's a decent sized goalie. He's about six, two, um, uh, you know, that typical, you know, finished butterfly goalie, but, uh, you know what? Hey, you know, who's an, who was another finished butterfly goalie that came over here. And, yep. Did pretty well. And Auntie Niemi, when he came over in, I believe it was 2008, he came out of the second division in Finland. He didn't even play at the top level of the SM Liga. So, um, you know, it's really interesting because it's really hit or miss. Like we were talking today about Lars Johansson, who put together a really phenomenal year in the Swedish Elite League um, the year before the Hawks brought him over. And then he kind of just went and was kind of a guy at Rockford. Um, So sometimes these guys come over. 
you know, do much. Sometimes they come over and they, and they really do quite well. Yeah. And, uh, and Auntie Ranta is another one. Yeah. Yep. You bet. So, um, you yep. know what? Having another goalie, more depth is not bad for this team because they need it. So, yep, they do. So, you know, to get a guy in an entry level deal that you didn't waste a draft pick on, uh, you basically got him for free. You're playing with house money with this guy. So, yep. You know, I'm going to do a little more research. I'm probably going to, I'm going to attempt to put together kind of a profile, like a, 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 uh, prospect profile, kind of like what I did with Victor Edsel. Um, you know, I'm going to try to provide a little bit of video content this summer for the fans. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, I just guessing because no one really knows what's going to happen so many years that we've, we've had like, Oh, you had a Blackhawk signed, uh, Artemi Panarin. I don't know who this guy is. And, uh, you know, yeah. You know, they Victor Tikhanov or, or, uh, yeah, whatever happened to him. Yeah. He's back in, back in the KHL, but, um, you know, they, they sign a lot of these guys are like, you know, during the summer, uh, who's Scott Darling and, and, you know, they, they, they have, or, or you get a David Kampf, you know, who's a little more, you know, he's a good prospect, but Jan Ruta. Yeah. Or Michael Kempney. Yeah. They sign, they sign some of these guys. You don't know who they are, but they, you know, when the year ends, they're, uh, you know, playing significant roles some somewhere. So yes. this could very Indeed. well happen with this guy. So we'll, well see. He's, you know, it's wide open for him because, you know, probably, you know, he may get a chance to compete against Forsberg for the backup job. I, I would think that that backup job's pretty open. Yeah. Uh, I would think Delia might will get a shot. I think uh, yep. Lankinen will get a shot. Um, I can't see any way that Baruby sticks around. No. I, I mean, they, I know they say I haven't signed for another year, but I don't, I don't know what they're going to do. Probably maybe, can play in Rockford. Maybe eat it or something. I mean, because whoever isn't in, whoever isn't backing up in the NHL is going to be down in the AHL. You yeah. could have, you know, Calendelia and uh, Kevin Lincoln and playing in Rockford next year. Potentially. Yeah. And then where's Ruby? I mean, you know, he's not going to go down to ECA. They're not going to send him to ECHL. No. And, no. You know, they're going to trade him or they're going to yeah, release him or something. Yeah, probably an odd man out somewhere in there. Yeah. You know, um, between Forsberg, Lincoln, um, and Delia and, and I think, you know, Baruby probably is the odd man out because he kind of had a shot last year and, you know, pretty much crapped the bed. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, Delia, I think, you know, he's shown quite a bit in the AHL this year. Um, didn't have much of a chance in the NHL. So, he, you know, it's not like you can say that he played his, his way out of it. Yeah. Um, Lankin an unknown and, uh, I think Forsberg certainly showed enough that he should be in the consideration set, um, you know, even though he probably didn't do enough to, to win the job outright at this point. So, no, I think it'll be an open, uh, open competition, but that also brings us to Corey Crawford, which with the season, That's we still done. have, uh, yeah, uh, we uh, still uh. have not heard anything about the, uh, mysterious Corey Crawford. Um, he's a goalie he's from, uh, up around <laughs> Montreal. We know that. Yeah. No, uh, seriously. No, we don't know. Um, you know the rumors are still flying out there. I'm still getting these. I'm still getting these DMs on Twitter from guys. You know, did you hear this about Crow? And I'm like, uh, yeah, we've heard that this this stuff or that stuff. I mean, um, bottom line is he had a medical issue last year, uh, kept him out half the season. He's going to be 34 this season. He's a great goalie if he's healthy and he's and he's on. He's fantastic, you know. But um, I certainly think that, you know, that's that's like these these rumors that continue to to float, to bubble up, 
that, you know, they're trading him to, to the Islanders or they're trading him to New Jersey. Um, I, you know, everything I hear is that there's no guarantee. The Hawks themselves are not really sure of his health status. So I just, I just don't see a team giving the Hawks anything of any value, any real value or certainly actual value for Crawford based upon the fact that his health is, is still apparently an unknown. And just, one of the scariest those, those things I think are kind of BS. Sorry. Yeah. And one of the scariest things is if it's a head injury, you have no way of knowing, you know, if it's a knee injury, you have a prognosis, you have, he will be out the, right. uh, you know, approximately this period of time, he'll make a full right. recovery head injuries. You may never recover. Well, all right. If, if it's as reported, if it's, if it is in fact a concussion issue and we've, I've heard from a couple of people who I, whose opinions I trust, that's what it is. Um, now I'm hearing something else from other people as you are too, Jeff. Yes. Yes. But, uh, but bottom line, if it, if it's concussion and he, he just missed half a season, I, only a, a really stupid GM would would, for example, trade a, a first round high first round draft pick in this draft for a player with that stigma on him without a completely clear bill of health. You just, you just don't do it. That's a, that's a, that's a career killer for a GM. You know, this franchise is effing screwed. <laughs> Thanks, Les. Appreciate back, it. Back in the box, Les. Yep. So, um, well, I guess we're going to see. I mean, we can't. You know, we can only sit here and contemplate right now. But we're just going to let it play that to out. Me is the big question that's out there, you know. And yeah, I had um, I posted a blog uh, sometime in the last couple of weeks about how Stan Bowman and the front office kind of have, they have choices this summer. Do you rebuild? Do you go full rebuild? Do you reload? Do you go out and really shake it up to get, to bring in some, some really legitimate established talent to, to, you know, put out there alongside Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Duncan Keith, et cetera, assuming Crawford's healthy. Um, Or do you do what Bowman's kind of done the last two years, which is, sort of try to be competitive and fill in the roster with, with young, young players, which has not worked. It, in fact, it, it basically failed miserably this, this last season. Um, so it, it, you know, but Crawford's health to me is like almost the key to that decision. Yeah. You know, if, if Crawford's healthy and ready to go, then, then, or, or if they think he will be, if they're fairly sure he will be, well then, then Bowman with a lot of cap space this summer, a couple of first-round draft picks that, you know, one of which could be a, a trade piece. You know, maybe he really goes all in and, and goes out and gets two to three really solid established NHL players, perhaps great NHL players, who who fill some of the holes the Hawks have and really try to make another run. It's plausible, you know. If Crawford's not healthy, there's nothing out there in the free agent market for goalies. None. Um, and you, and if you're going to trade for a goalie, you're going to have to give up, you know, a, a goalie of Crawford's profile. You're going to have to give up a King's ransom. So that sort of pushes you in the direction. Well, maybe it's time with Duncan Keith being 35 and, and, you know, Jonathan Taves being north of 30, Brent Seabrook being 33, 34, Crawford 34. Maybe it's time you start really looking at, you know, doing a serious rebuild instead of this sort of half-ass play-the-kids thing that's gone on the last couple of years. Um, so Crawford, to me, that he's like, his health is the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because like you, I, we were talking about this earlier in the uh, in our little hockey chat, that uh, 
If Crawford's not around, there's no way you get anything to replace Crawford. Not this year. No. Uh, you know, there's no goalies on the market. Uh, you know, there's the RFAs are one, you know, one B type at best. And then to trade, you're going to have to give up assets to get something back. And what's on the market right now? Nothing. There's there's not a lot of goalies on the market right now. No, I mean, uh, Philippe Grubauer, um, someone else sort of of that ilk, sort of of that, you know, 1B ilk. But yeah, they were I saying Peter Mrazek too, but for, I mean, I, I'm not convinced that P- Peter Mrazek is going to be able to get him back to, you know, what no. they had with Crawford. Nor, nor is Robin Lehner, even though I like Robin Lehner, not, neither one of those goalies are, are in the echelon of what Crawford was before he went down with an injury. So Right, and I mean, yeah. The thing is, too, is that, you know, you go out and get a Robin Lehner, I mean, you know, fine, and let's say he has a really good year, although behind the defense the Hawks have, that's not very likely. I mean, the, the Hawks, so the point is the Hawks still need to go out, get at least one top four defenseman. And in my opinion, and I'll talk about this more in a minute, um, I, I really think that if they want to get back to cup contention, they need to go out and get a really legitimate center um, to play, to, to shore up the, 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 the center core. Well, that's a good segue. Let's wrap up with that. Let's, let's, let's move on to that, your, uh, your trade well, speculation. So, well, not a trade, actually. It's a free agency. Okay, and, yeah. and, you know, free agency assumes a lot of things that, a, that the team that, that, you know, retains the player at this point, that employs the player at this point, um, will not be able to keep the player. Um, and then, B, it, it assumes that the player would have an interest in Chicago over, over the other 30 teams. But one guy that, you know, I've heard people talk about, and, I, and I've used the words pipe dream in association with it, but the last couple of days I've started to think about it a little bit. And, and it, again, probably still unlikely, but... The player, the free agent that's out there, that A could really help the Hawks in a lot of ways, B um, is a terrific player in his own right, and C has the same agent as Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And I'll take it even a step further. I think Jonathan Taves would would do backflips if the Hawks went out and got this guy for what it would mean to his game and freeing him up. And that's John Tavares. Um, now. That's a tall order. I mean, Tavares is a guy who's going to be um, highly in demand. Um, as a free agent, he's going to command a significant salary. But bottom line, Hawks supposedly are going to have a lot of dollars to work with this summer. And if they can move Marion Hose's contract, as I've heard rumored, they're going to really try to do this summer. That's another $5.25 million they have to play with. You know, plus the, the organic growth in the cap, which I believe is going up there, projecting $80 million. Uh, you know, plus some, some other moves they can make to free up some dollars, expiring contracts. Uh, I think it's quite conceivable that they could make a hard run at Tavares and still perhaps, you know, perhaps dealing that second first round pick, shore up the defense as well. And if they did those things and Corey Crawford were healthy, this is, this is a team that could do some damage next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, remember, go ahead. Yeah. They, they, uh, who was it? One of the other experts, quote unquote experts, mentioned that uh, they thought the Blackhawks may take a run at uh, Tavares. So, uh, yeah, I think it was. Um, I think it was Elliot Friedman. Yeah. So and, I mean, it's not that know, far beyond. I don't, the role as possible. you know, Gate. I don't. I don't necessarily um, attack other people's rumors. Yeah. 
And but at the same time, I also don't necessarily because he's a quote legit guy. I don't necessarily assume that that the quote unquote big name rumor guys are always right either. A lot of times they're kind of pulling stuff out of you know where, in my opinion. But the thing about the the angle with Tavares that I think is really interesting is the fact that his agent Pat Brisson is also the agent for Kane and Taves. And believe me, he's as agents go, he's pretty he's as about as tight with the Hawk front office as they get. Um, now, now certainly he, I'm certain he has a very great relationship with Garth Snow and with the Island front office as well. But you know, if you want to sort of reignite this core, you bring a John Tavares in to to take some of the hard work off the shoulders of Jonathan Taves, which he's been asking for for years now. Um, you know, it's no coincidence that they went out and got Michael Hanzus in 2013, and then they went out and got. Uh, Antoine Vermette in 2015 and, you know, Brad Richards the summer before uh, because, you know, getting guys who are legitimate centers who can play in a lot of different situations, can win face-offs, that takes a lot of pressure off of Jonathan Taves and allows Taves, really, in my opinion, to be at his best. Uh, plus the fact that John Tavares is, in his own right, a great player. Um, so if if I'm Bowman and the Hawks and, and Tavares hits the market, I'm going hard after that guy. Now, if they truly want to want to you know make something happen and and win and and get back into that you know prop that window open for a couple you know a little a little longer that that that's what they're going to need to do they're going to need yep. to do something big yep. yeah because you know just going out and get a defenseman while it's certainly needed and I'm and I I wouldn't get Tavares at the exclusion of getting a de- defenseman I think you really got to get both yeah but um. You know, just going out and getting a defenseman and then, you know, start talking about Dylan Secura and, you know, Schmaltz getting better, et cetera. Uh, that's not going to be enough. That's not going to be enough to, to really turn this thing around. I mean, I, you know, we've we've talked about this before, but I'll say it again. You know, we've heard the argument that, well, with Crawford, they were a playoff team. That's absolutely not proven at all. In fact, when Crawford went down, they were out of the playoffs. So yeah. I don't know how you can make the conclusion you know, draw the conclusion that if he played the rest of the season, they would have been a playoff team. Um, there's absolutely nothing that, that indicates that's, that's actually the case. And um, so, I mean, the, cause there's a lot of holes in this team, but as we've talked about, I, I, we feel like, you know, the, the two biggest holes are uh, center behind Taves or in Tavares case, maybe ahead of Taves. Um, and, and I, you know, at least one quality NHL defenseman who can really defend in his own end. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I agree. Cause yeah, I, I would say that with Crawford playing the way he was playing, he would pro- they were, they would probably be a bubble team and that's yeah. pro- about the best you would have got out of them. And they probably would have been swept in the first round. Yeah, Cause if absolutely. you watch, if you watch the quality of hockey that's going on in the playoffs and you look at this Blackhawks team, and you think yep. they would have done anything more than what they did the year previous, which is get swept, maybe win a game. If you think they were going to do any more than that, you're sadly mistaken. Yeah, I mean, uh, I you just do a hypothetical matchup of them versus any of the teams that went anywhere in the plus. I mean, let's face it, at the end of the year, I mean, they, they actually seemed to have some motivation when they were playing that home-and-home at the end against the Blues which I believe was a home-and-home. And, And, you know, I think they won the first game on the road in St. Louis, and everybody was kind of getting a little geeked up. And I think, as I recall, St. Louis came back to the UC and just just plastered the Hawks. It was like men against boys. 
um, as I recall. And, and, you know, the reality of it is, is yeah, the, there's a lot that needs to be done. But the, but the good news is, is, is if they decide to do it, there could be pieces out there that they could do that they could do it with. And that that's that's exciting, you know, because if you've got guys like Keith around and Taves around and, and Kane around and you're paying them a lot of money, you should be in all you know in it to win it. I mean, I think this idea that well, you know, we just want to be competitive, we just want to get into the first round of the playoffs. I mean, that's great for Rocky Wirtz's bottom line, but as a fan, I don't want that. I, I'd rather I would rather tank for a couple of years and come back super strong, you know, and, and dominate again like the Hawks have for the last ten years than this slow slide to mediocrity crap. Yeah, I agree. And uh, yeah, back to like the teams that that are in the you know the cup final now i mean they've got goalies that are making saves yeah they're fast and they have size yeah washington is is a big physical deep team you know and good for barry trotz i mean there's a guy who you know has been maligned as a you know as a as a playoff loser for for years and years and years and yet you know it can be argued that when he was in Nashville, he did a he did a lot with not always the most talented roster. He seemed to get them pretty far year after year, um, but he's certainly done a great job in Washington this year. Yeah, uh, and uh, you got You got to feel good for him and Gerard Gallant. I mean, my gosh, you know, I it's yeah, it's a great story. But uh, either way, it's a wonderful story, and yeah. it makes this interesting. So I I, I love it. Uh, like I want to see Ovi get a cup. You know, but the Vegas winning would be would turn the hockey world upside down. So well, and Vegas winning in some ways I think is like the worst nightmare for a lot of GMs, including Stan Bowman, because it it really suggests that there's no excuse you, year to year. There's no excuse you can turn you can make it happen. Now, yes, I know that they had the expansion draft, and I know that they didn't have all these salaries grandfathered in. Well, who's responsible for that? Well, we won't go there tonight. But but the bottom line is is if you're if you're creative, uh, if if you are uh, you know willing to to take take a few risks, if you find you know the get the right coach in, um, to, you know to sort of have their finger on the pulse of the team, look at what can happen. I mean it's it's stunning that an expansion team is three wins away from the Stanley Cup. It's stunning. Yeah, and they keep saying it. A team that last year at this time had one person in their organization, one player. Yeah, and he was—he's a, a guy who didn't even play in the NHL this year. Yeah, uh, that was it. And uh, so, I mean, that's crazy. It—it it really is. But uh, one one team I will feel sorry for Seattle. Yeah, <laughs> because now the, you know the the bar is going to be set. That oh yeah, oh, yeah. well Seattle's going to have basically the same uh, you know rules as, as far as the uh, expansion draft goes. So that means they should be able to do the same thing, right? No. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> they are definitely exceptions. Which, which current hawk ends up being yeah. a, a Seattle, whatever they're called? Yeah, Brent Seabrook. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, the Hawks could leave. Could the Hawks could leave Seabrook exposed? Yeah. Uh, do what? But do no movement clauses apply to? Uh, no, you had to protect people that had no movement clauses. That's why they didn't leave him exposed before. Right. Right. So. Yeah, but I mean, you he, could. He's not going anywhere. I think you can like ask them to wave or something like that, or you can before you were with, with Vegas, you were able to actually kind of wheel and deal where you yeah. could say, Hey, if you take, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, this guy yeah, will trade you Seabrook later kind of thing. 
Yeah, I so. mean, if, if yeah, if, if Seattle hypothetically said, yes, if you expose Brent and Brent's open to it, we'll make him our captain. Um, it's not terribly far from his home. I mean, Vancouver's like an hour flight from Seattle, 45-minute flight from Seattle. So, yeah. It's only a two-hour drive. We're way down the road <laughs> yeah. of conjecture, but. Yeah, it's a two-hour drive. I've I've driven that. So it's beautiful drive. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, all right. Well, that's 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 about what we have to talk about for the Blackhawks and stuff. We got a couple questions. Let's wrap it up with that. We're, Let's we're do it. just over an hour, so we'll we'll get to uh, first one. Uh, is a little bit facetious. Uh, Michael Weaslow, do we miss TVR yet? <laughs> so I think Quinville does. Yeah, you get a, you get a laugh out of that for us. Um, Amanda Zanzinger, she's a big Ice Hogs fan. She sent in a question. Uh, it was kind of addressed online, but we'll bring it up anyway. Uh, Cody Franzen, Christy Domenico, Adam Clendenning have had, have been great on the power play for Rockford, which Mario did bring up uh, in his report. Uh, do you think the Hawks will try to resign ever, any of them? Uh, the Ice Hawks power play as of late has been excellent, while the Blackhawks have struggled all season. Um, Mario kind of addressed this in his thing. Uh, basically, Cody Franzen, he's not going to come back to play in, in Rockford. And he's probably not going to get a chance with with the Blackhawks, so he's probably going to be gone. Uh, Di Domenico, there's that rumor that uh, that uh, he's basically all but signed, sealed, and delivered to go back over to Europe. He may get some offers in, in uh, <clears throat> based on his uh, late season success and his playoff success in the AHL. He may get some offers in in uh, uh, the NHL or AHL, so he may entertain those. I don't know that the Blackhawks keep him, but. Uh, no. And uh, Adam Clendenning, I kind of also talked about earlier, which is that, uh, you know, he he's an RFA, so the Blackhawks could w- use that to their advantage if they wanted to keep him around. But, um, yeah, that's kind of a 50-50 thing. I could see I could see Clendenning hanging out as like a, uh, and I think you mentioned this earlier, sort of like a, a seventh-eighth defenseman in the organization, you know, sort of riding the shuttle up by 90. I, I could I could sort of see that, um, you know, he's been around. He's he he knows what he he knows what he can do, and he knows his limitations. And and uh, you know, the only thing is is that he fits the profile. He fits the profile of arguably too many of the hawk defensemen at this point. Small and and puck moving, and and not always great in his own end. So maybe not. But yeah, and it, he seems a little rejuvenated. I should say, you know. Yeah. With uh, what happened this year. So who knows? He may want to stick it out, see what he can do yeah. for another year. Yeah. You never know. So uh, that, I would say, I would say that out of all of them, Clendenning's probably the most yeah. likely to come back. Uh, I don't see Dita Domenico or Franzen coming back. Unfortunately, I, I no. had no problem with, with Cody Franzen. Uh, I thought he was useful on the power play, both in the AHL and the NHL. Uh, where well, That was like all he could do in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, I think that his lack of foot speed is what sort of got him to the level of being a, a camp tryout last year. And I, I think ultimately that's kind of what did him in with Q is that he just didn't have that. He just didn't have the feet um, to, to play the way Q wants to play. And uh, that's why he ended up in Rockford. Yeah. So thank you, Amanda. You've never asked a question before, but uh, I hope you ask some more in the future. Please do. Uh, brain sprain, our boy brain sprain. Uh, he said, fun question. Give us the proposed divisional alignments once Seattle's in your league. Uh, please include whether or not the number of playoff teams or format changes. Um, it would be real easy for me. I kind of listed the, uh, for John and I, so at least we wouldn't forget any teams or anything. Um, 
My mine would be move Arizona over into the Central and move Seattle into that slot in the Pacific. And uh, I wouldn't add any more playoffs, uh, playoff teams. I kind of think they have enough as it is. Um, I, I think uh, maybe the playoff format isn't always the greatest for you know. Sometimes you see some of the some of the best teams uh, facing each other er- too early in the playoffs, but um, the number of teams in the playoffs is probably the best. Uh, I, having buys, I'm not big on that in the NHL. Um, you know, you don't. I don't know that you want a, a team who's hot going into the playoffs and being one of the top teams sitting for two and a, two weeks. Yeah, I, I don't know that that's ideal. Uh, you know, while they want to rest, maybe, but I don't think they want to sit for two two and a half weeks and wait no. around. So no, that's that's what I would do. I would move Arizona over to the Central, and I would move uh, Seattle into that slot in the Pacific. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, so that's easy enough because. The Central's the only one that's we're, we're, they're short of team. So <clears throat> Arizona, which is the old Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of former Chicago people living in Arizona, and and uh, it just I don't know, it, it just it seems like a team that sort of would be a natural uh, regular rival for the Hawks. Well, and also you know, Winnipeg being you know a natural rival of Arizona. Yeah, you know, that would be interesting too. You know, they, 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 that would, I think I could see that becoming some sort of a, a rivalry with the fan, yeah. you know, it's a long, it's a, it's a long flight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then Beth Sweeney, uh, with all of, uh, you know, our mom from Rockford, Hi, Beth. <laughs> the lovable Beth Sweeney. Um, this isn't about the chocolate fountain, is it? I think <laughs> I've pretty much said everything I can say about, the chocolate fountain at Golden Corral. No, no, no. Um, but with all the RFA UFAs this summer, who do you see realistically, realistically, easy for me to say, coming back, both Blackhawks and Icehogs. Um, for that, I'm going to have to pull up Cap Friendly. Yeah, I could do the same thing. So uh, I could give us a little hold music for that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, let's see. Blackhawks, um, Henestrosa, Yurko, Duclair are RFAs. Uh, I see him bringing back Henestrosa. Definitely. Um, if it were me, I would say dump Yurko. But who knows? St- you know, we know how Stan likes to double down on his bad decisions. Yes, he does. Um, Duclair. You know, in fairness, I, th- I tip my cap to Yurko. I, I really felt like he went out and really embraced a fourth-line role and and gave a lot of effort. Um, I don't have a huge problem bringing him back as a 13th, 14th forward. Um, uh, you know, and I'm probably no, nobody's been harder on Thomas Jericho than I have. But honestly, I, I, I really felt like last year he, he embraced that role. He, he played with a lot of energy, and he was tough to play against a lot of nights. Um, yeah, and, and Duclair will be back too. They, you know, yeah, Duclair's only twenty two, so I see them definitely giving him another shot, yeah, and, and giving him a, a clean slate for a season. You know, they brought him in mid season. I wasn't exactly impressed with him, but I do definitely. If they traded for him, I think they see him. They give him at least one se- one full season with the team to, to, to. Well, and with that kind of athletic ability, yeah, 
um, which is not easy to find. Um, you know, he was $1.2 million last year. Um, and, and, you know, it depends, I guess, on, on what the price is. And, and, but RFA, they should get him at a reasonable price. Yeah. Uh, the defensemen are pretty much signed up. Uh, yep. <laughs> why, we don't know. But um, we'll see, you know, so that's all tied up. As far as you are- Of course, Patrick Sharp is <laughs> it's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. And not coming back. Yeah. And then so, as far as it. I mean, it's Duclair, Yurko, and his frozen. That's it. Yeah. Now Rockford, you got you have Gordy Clifton's favorite player, Lance Boma, <laughs> and and uh, Aaron Goldschmidt, our very own Aaron Goldschmidt. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you got John Hayden, who probably will be in Chicago next year. Yeah, he's coming back for sure. He's going to be back. Uh, you have the uh, the lumbering uh, Victor Svedberg, and I know that Victor's family are, are uh, many of Victor's family are um, devotees of the rink and maybe listening. So I, I say lumbering with affection. He's, <laughs> he's an awfully big human being. Yes, he is. Um, he's a, he Victor Svedberg is an unrestricted free agent. I I did not get a chance to really see much of what he did at Rockford this year, so I can't really comment on that. He is six foot nine. Um, he, you know, he was not terrible when he was in Chicago a couple seasons ago. Um, I, I, so I wonder, do the Hawks hold on to him and, th- you know, see if there's something they can develop with him at six foot nine. Yeah. He, he does have some NHL experience. So yeah. Uh, glass will be gone. Tutu will be gone. Lance Boma's probably gone. Andreas Martinson will be back. And I'm guessing we'll be in that 13th, 14th forward slot for the Hawks. Yeah. I like what I saw with the guy. You know, he, he did his job. He did what you yeah, would I, expect from him. You know, when, when he's on the ice, yeah. and, you know, again, I mean, you, people will call me a meathead. I've been called worse. Um, but <laughs> when, he, when he's on the ice, the other team, you can see it. The other team has their heads on a swivel because that guy is going gonna, gonna to hit somebody awfully hard. Um, he can really skate at six three, two hundred and twenty five pounds, and when he gets when he gets the puck, he goes hard to the net with the puck. He doesn't have a lot of hands or finish, but that's a guy who's going to create opportunities and he's going is going to upset other teams by his mere presence on the ice with his size and speed and his willingness to destroy people. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I like that the fact that he has some skill uh, to go with the so, size. You know, um, I'm not going to say he's as good as this, you know, the, this player, but, you know, like Tom Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the only thing about Martinson that I is a cautionary note. And if I were coaching him, he he has a tendency to take the, the odd dumb penalty of of over aggression and that'll kill you. You know, so they're going to have to watch that with him um, and he may have to sit every once in a while because of that. But, you know, his size and his speed and his willingness um, on this team, it's it's a nice thing to have. Yeah, for sure. And we talked about Clendenning, um, Di Domenico, and Franzen. So that's about it. That's as far as, you know, in the... What about that Jeff Glass? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Someone asked, you know, his late playoff run with uh, Rockford, does that earn him a, a slot coming back? No, absolutely not. No, it doesn't. The only thing it may earn him is a coaching position. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, who knows? Maybe. You yeah. know, he's supposedly he's a really good guy. You know, so 
Well, you know, and it's guys like that that um, that get coaching positions that players like, right. you know. Right. So he's 32. I don't, I don't. I have to look when his birthday is, but November 19th. So he'll be 33 right as the season's beginning. Um, I, I they they don't want a 33 year old AHL goalie mucking up the system. They he just, could be like you know the you know, next Wade Brookbank. Yeah. You know yeah. that kind of guy. Yeah. Or the Sheldon Jordan Brookbank. You, know, you never know. You never know. Yeah, Sheldon Brookbank too. Coach, uh, too. yeah, Coach Sheldon. Uh, so you know, uh, <clears throat> I I wouldn't I I would like to see them keep him around in a coaching capacity. But as far as a player goes, he just you know, I, I think he's reached his pinnacle as far as NHL potential goes. And yeah, uh, yeah. If if Jeff Glass is playing in Chicago next year, the Hawks have some serious serious problems. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> So that wraps up questions. That was it. Uh, I think we're good, huh? They were good questions. Yes, they always are. Generally. Generally speaking, yes. <laughs> oh, actually, my we did have one other one that I didn't put on the, on the uh, uh, I didn't put on the agenda, but it was from my friend Selena from Dallas, and she right. said uh, she kind of asked if the uh, Hawks are going to continue to suck because she'd be looking forward to that because she's a big Dallas Stars fan and Texas Stars fan. She was actually at that game that uh, the uh, Ice Hogs lost. She was sitting on the other side of the ice, though. So, but uh, I think the answer to that question we kind of covered it earlier. It's, yeah, I think it starts. I think the 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 key to this summer is is where uh, probably last week in June is where the Hawks think Corey Crawford is and where they think he'll be in October. Yeah. And from there, they make a decision whether they they go all in for one big big run this year um, with a lot of cap space and, and uh, you know, some pieces out there that could help them or did they start to really rebuild in earnest this year? Um, and, uh, but then again, you know, politics being what they are and, and uh, I could just as easily, if not more likely see them continue to do what they've done the last couple of years, which in my opinion is, is the road to misery. Just putting band-aids on the cuts and kicking the can down the road. And, yeah, and yeah. overhyping the, the you know, yet another rookie or rookies this year. You know, hey, and I think we should, the time we say this, I mean, um, Alex Debrinkit had a nice nice rookie season after a slightly rough start. Um, and certainly, you know, he's, he seems to be a willing and um, and uh, energetic player, and he's he can certainly get that shot off and create his own opportunities through, through screens and he's going to score some goals and good for him. But at the same time, you know, you can't assume because he did that this year, that player X is going to do it next year and player Y is going to do it the, the year after, because there have also been a lot of these guys that they've hyped up have come in and, and not done jack squat, like the late great Tyler Mott, for example, Jeremy um, Moore and Brandon Peary. Yeah, sure. You know, and so the bottom line is, um, but I, you know, if if he starts, you know, if Bowman starts talking up Dylan Sakura and how the team's going to look next year like it did last year, and they go out and they get a couple of bargain basement free agents off of the, you know, bargain, you know, off the 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 reject pile, um, I don't know. I, I think at that point you got to, I think fans got to start start taking a really hard look at this organization. I I I think they're I give these guys too much credit though. I, I think they're they're too smart for that. I think. They're going to decide, you know, do we go all in with a healthy Crawford or do we really take the opportunity this year with the picks 
and the, and the cap space um, to start to really retool this team for the future. Yeah. I, 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 I'm really hopeful that, that that something kind of big happens that, that kind of rejuvenates everyone. Um, because the last time something big happened, it was Marion Hosa and, you know, Brian Campbell. Yeah. Those, those were, that was a different time. Yeah. You know, the, the arc of the franchise was really different. A lot of these, these great players were, were young and coming into their prime then. They weren't sort of old and, and leaving their prime yeah. like they are now. But, I, you know, I still believe that, you know, Brent Seabrook aside, I think that, that the core that's left, um, these guys all probably have at least a couple of good years left in them. And, but you, you've got to fill in around them with guys who are legitimate NHL players and stop this nonsense of Lance Balma or, you know, the, the rookie du jour um, or Andrew it, Brunette or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. stop. Yeah. Stop trying to like try to catch lightning in a bottle and yeah. uh, go out in a, in a blaze of glory. Give, give it a shot. You know, I, and if you're, I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because, because you are paying Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, uh, Seabrook, um, Artemini Samov, Brandon Brandsod's still a very young man. I think he's got a lot of good hockey in front of him. You're paying those guys a crap ton of money. And um, you're, you're, why do that just to be a mediocre bubble team, you know, and, and showcase your, your rookies and, and overhype your rookies? It's stupid. Now, uh, um, the, o- the, only, the only bright or bright light or light at the end of the tunnel that I see with this is that Bowman has shown – and not during the summer, not in free agency, but sometimes at the trade deadline, that he will go out and get that. He will go for the big, the big fish, Andrew Ladd, yeah. Andrew Brunet, or uh, you know uh, Antoine Vermette, or uh, you know whatever. He will go out for the big fish. So that's like that little spark of maybe he could go big this summer, make something happen, and go for that one last shot and say, you know what? If I lose my job next summer. I tried. You can't. It's not for lack of trying. So that's how that's how I would do it. I mean, at this point, he almost has nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, because I think if he if he continues on the arc he's been on, he's almost writing his own epitaph. Um, so what are you going to do? Um, and, you know, probably argue arguably he's better suited to go out and find those two or three pieces to complement what he has than he is to be the architect of a full rebuild. I'm not sure he's the GM for that. No, I don't either. Uh, I, I I don't think he's, he didn't build what he had in the first place. And right. I don't know that he's going to be the one to build now. I think it would be, he'd be better off being brought into a team that needs to be pushed over the edge once again, because he's proven he can do that. So, yeah. And one last word on Tavares. And again, I'm, I'm not the conductor of the John Tavares. Train, yeah. This is all wishful other- thinking and us just spitballing. Yeah, no, but one one last thing, but a guy like Tavares and a signing like Tavares, that is classic John McDonough. You know, when, when the spotlight has shifted elsewhere, McDonough wants it back on him and on his team to build excitement and to build ticket sales. And I feel like this summer, they got to do something like that. You know, yeah. because, because let's face it, the bloom is off the rose and, and a lot of fans are already heading for the exits. You, you know, you may not see it, just yet in terms of the season ticket holder list, et cetera. But in terms of demand for, for resold tickets last year, it like went off a cliff. Yeah. You couldn't give them away, you right. know, 
right. that's the first that's sort of the, the canary in the coal mine, if you will. And, uh, you know, for a guy like John McDonough, I mean, he loves that big promotional, uh, you know, splash in the summer that that, you know, gets people excited about the fan convention. And here let's try it out. Remember Marion Hosa and Thomas Kopechke. Remember yep. that? Yep. 2009 at the fan convention. I, yep. And I think I suspect they want to do something like that this summer. Again, but it, I, it all comes back to Crawford. If Crawford's not healthy, it's a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jonathan Tavares is not going to save the team if they don't have anyone that can stop the puck. Right. I mean, it just goes to show in in uh, uh, New York, they didn't have anyone that could stop yeah. the puck, and look right. what that team did. Nothing. Right. But if so. you got a healthy a healthy Corey Crawford, you know, then then that strategy, and I think it would be exciting. I mean, I I think I think fans would get really excited about it if they. You know, if they went all in with two or three really quality veterans, I mean, like upper echelon veterans and guys who fill needs, um, then you could get I think you could you could get excited about this team because there's still there's still a few very talented, very experienced and very proven hockey players on this team. Yeah. So, well, I guess what we're saying is Stan Bowman, you're on the clock. Get to work, buddy. Here we go. <laughs> all right all right we're done that's enough screwing around yeah. so that's uh hattery yes tonight. yes that's enough ass hattery so you can find all of our wonderful content on www.the-rink.com you can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official the ringcast account is at the ringcast uh i am puck and hostile on twitter uh, you are jakel on twitter j-a-e-c-k-e-l uh, if you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate and review us. We really appreciate it. We know we we know by the stats that we have a lot of loyal listeners. So if you could get it, you know, if you listen through iTunes, you can. I think you can even do it through your phone. We'd really enjoy if you just even if you just gave us a rating and you didn't review In us. Some weeks we have we have unloyal listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we. We're, I think we're always gonna have a few of those. Yeah. Um. My last plug is for puckhockey.com. P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Um, plenty of good stuff there. Get your rink gear. Um, use the discount code, the rink. Uh, we've all got our rink gear. So uh, join us. Take a picture. Send it over. I'll put it up on the Instagram page. We'll feature you. We already did. Our boy, Patrick Judge, who uh, I'm hopefully going to be hanging out with this summer in July. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully he's going to... Uh, uh, you know, he, he, he's been up on our Instagram page and he's proudly wearing his rink gear. Uh, I know several other people are, um, I spoke with Gary Holt who this weekend, uh, I spoke with Gary Holt who actually also, they have the Exodus gear, uh, over at, uh, puckhockey.com. So, uh, we're, we're metal brothers, metal slash hockey brothers, uh, with that. Um, but get over to puckhockey.com. Get yourself some t-shirts, some hats, lots of nice stuff to wear during the summer when it's nice outside. You can get your, it doesn't have to be a black shirt. I got myself a nice blue uh, puck hockey shirt, or I mean uh, the rink shirt, and I got puck hockey shirts too. I think we need uh, we need to talk to the guys at Puck Hockey about a, a rink.com tank top and Zubaz pants. <laughs> if they do that, I, I'm, I'm stating it right now. I will take a photo of me dancing out in the backyard with him. 
Yeah, I'll be doing the MC Hammer wheel, man. <laughs> I will. I promise. Oh, I, yeah. I won't let anyone down if they stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think someone like Beth will actually go out and sew me a pair of pants just so she could watch that. Well, we could send them like as a prototype to puck hockey. Yeah, there then you go. Then they'll make them because it'll it'll be like a thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, that that that's my plug. Um, you got anything, John? No, I'll just echo that. I did puck hockey. That uh, that relationship continues to grow, and uh, we love those guys uh, over there. We're so gratified by the, by people, you know, going out and buying the gear, which is really cool. And they 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 you know the guys, the designers there, the puck hockey made the stuff look really cool. And uh, it's a little hard to get people excited about that in the summertime because it's sort of you know hockey apparel, and, and, and it's not exactly really hockey season anymore, except for the the cup final going on without the Hawks. But, um, you know, yeah, uh, just swing by there. They're, they've always got sales and promotions going on. And, you know, as the season gets closer, we do have some ideas for uh, for kind of rewarding and recognizing uh, the people who buy the gear, and we'll share that as, as the season gets closer. Yeah, and, and Alyssa over at uh, PuckHockey.com, her and I are head-to-head in the Bracket Challenge, the NHL Bracket Challenge. If Washington wins, I win. If uh, the Vegas Gold Knights win, she wins. So, uh Yep, not the personal list of the co-caps. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I think we're good there. Uh, so, everyone, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the way.